Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, June 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Boeing faces another setback as it tries to get the 737 MAX back in the air. Activist investor Carl Icahn is preparing a campaign to oust four of Occidental Petroleum's board members, and private equity dealmaking soars to its highest level since the lead-up to the financial crisis. Plus, the FT's corporate finance and deals editor, Arash Masoudi, explains what led to AbbVie's $63 billion acquisition of Botox maker Allergan. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Boeing's 737 MAX jet is facing another setback. Sources told the FT that test pilots for the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration last week found a new potential flaw with the plane's anti-stall system. That system has been blamed for causing two recent crashes of the MAX that killed hundreds of people. The FAA has told Boeing to correct the problem before the aircraft goes through a new pre-certification flight. Boeing says it won't offer the MAX for certification until it has satisfied all the requirements. Now, sources say the system won't undergo a test flight until July 8th at the earliest. Regulators initially said the aircraft would be approved to resume flights earlier in the summer. Two people who have been briefed about this delay said the onboard computer appeared overwhelmed when put through one of many simulated scenarios. And that took too long for pilots to regain control. The MAX jet has been grounded globally since March. Boeing has said that it lost $1 billion in revenues during the first three months of this year. The company has been working on a software fix to the plane's anti-stall system, as well as possible changes to pilot training. Billionaire activist investor Carl Icahn is not happy with four members of Occidental Petroleum's board. Now he's seeking to oust them. The FT's Hortensa Ali has more. So Carl Icahn is essentially preparing to launch a campaign to oust four of Occidental Petroleum's board members. This is just two days after he had a big win on his Caesars bet since it agreed to sell itself to Eldorado. In that case, he replaced three of Caesars board members, had been pushing for a sale, kind of had this huge success with them, and then issued a statement about two days ago, kind of initially indicating that Occidental's board was similar to a feudal system and that its board members were feudal barons who were treating the shareholders like peasants. This comes after he has essentially sued the company for its deal with Anadarko, where it agreed to buy $55 billion. And the biggest disagreement is that shareholders didn't have a vote on the deal, which was essentially bypassed through this financing that they got from Warren Buffett. So it kind of puts Carl Icahn and Warren Buffett, these two titans of investing, against each other. And private equity dealmaking has soared to its highest level in more than a decade. The value of leveraged buyouts climbed to $256 billion in the first half of the year. That level of dealmaking hasn't been seen since the lead-up to the global financial crisis. The buyouts are coming from firms such as KKR, Blackstone, and Apollo, which are looking to invest hundreds of billions of dollars. The boom has been fueled by a combination of pension and sovereign wealth funds hunting for returns and cheap borrowing costs. And it's rolled on despite volatile financial markets, a slowdown in global economic growth, and rising trade tensions. 
The surge in private equity dealmaking accounts for 14 percent of global acquisition activity, the highest since 2013. And here's a closer look at another deal we're following. On Tuesday, U.S. drug maker AbbVie announced that it would acquire Allergan, the maker of Botox, for $63 billion. The deal has had mixed reviews from investors. But to figure out why it happened, you have to understand the deal-making culture in the pharmaceuticals industry today. For that, we turn to Arash Masoudi, the FT's corporate finance and deals editor and editor of the FT's due diligence newsletter. Almost one way to think about it is think of them as almost oil companies instead of pharma companies. And each one of the world's biggest pharma companies have these oil wells where they just drill and drill and drill and drill. They, they keep drilling the oil, and as long as the oil keeps coming out, they get cash flow and they keep going. But at some point, the well runs dry. And then the equivalent of that in the pharma industry is a patent runoff or a patent expiry. What's happening globally is the world's biggest pharma companies are hunting to re- find other drugs that they can have in their portfolio that can help them deal with the fact that their oil well runs dry. So for AbbVie, which is a Chicago-based drug company, they actually have the world's best-selling drug. It's called Umera. It's an anti-inflammatory drug, treats autoimmune diseases. Umera accounts for almost 60% of the company's revenues. But Umera runs off U.S. patents at some point in 2023. And that means that a whole host of generic drugs are going to come onto the market. And AbbVie, which is made bajillions selling this drug will now face competition and it will not be able to charge what some people would describe as obscene prices. So faced with that situation, AbbVie, like other drug companies, is on the hunt for ways to deal with that. Now, the story is slightly different at Allergan. Allergan is best known as the company that makes Botox. That product has done well for Allergan, but Allergan is actually a hodgepodge of assets. It was created through a series of deal makings done by its chief executive called Brent Saunders. He created Allergan by taking advantage of an Irish domicile. Now, what does that mean? That essentially means it pays a lot less tax on its profits than other companies do. And that culminated with what would have been a phenomenal exit for Brent Saunders, which is that Pfizer in 2015 agreed to buy Allergan in a deal worth $160 billion, including debt. That is a huge price. But the Obama administration was sick of companies trying to basically leave the U.S. to get around tax policies. So the Obama administration moved and effectively blocked the deal through a series of changes to tax policy, which took all the benefits of the tax inversion for Pfizer out of the equation. And with that, basically a three-year run of misery begins for Allergan. So all of a sudden, the darling of the industry is desperate. And so what happens is Richard Gonzalez, who's this somewhat interesting chief executive at AbbVie, decides that he needs to make a move. And he approaches Mr. Saunders in April, as we reported in our coverage on the Financial Times website, and says, look, I've got a solution that solves both our problems. I need more consistent revenues, which I get from your Botox product. And you have a whole pipeline of stuff that I could try to mine for the next big drug for you. The market hates you. You got problems in your stock. So I'm going to offer you a 45% premium to your undisturbed share price. And I'm going to buy you for a total of $63 billion for your equity and about $20 billion for your debt. So $83 billion. That is half of the price that Pfizer had offered Allergan three years ago. So Arash, Allergan and AbbVie's investors reacted very differently to the news of the deal. Why? For Allergan, obviously, this is like an injection of Botox straight to the wrinkles. The investors saw those wrinkles fade away, and at least temporarily, 
the the surge and the good news uh, sort of came out in the share price. Stock jumped almost 30%. Over at AbbVie, this sort of, I guess the interpretation is this desperation for products to replace Umera came out front and center and its stock tanked, wiping close to $20 billion off of AbbVie's market cap, which is not an insubstantial sum. In M&A land, which is where I spend most of my time, that's pretty much the biggest vote of no confidence in a deal I've ever seen. So the market hates this. So the challenge is cut out for both of these men. And it's safe to say, I think for Mr. Saunders, if he can't deliver on this deal and the deal falls apart, his days are numbered in one way or another. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following the Federal Reserve's second round of stress tests. The results will determine how much money banks can return to shareholders in the form of dividends and buybacks. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.